well, I don't want to break the flow here, but I just have to give a just a shout out for the ladies' Christmas tea uh, on Friday. Amen for that. You can applaud that, really. It was just a wonderful, wonderful time. Thank you to all those who participated, and uh, it was just just a blessing just to be a part of that. So uh, just just fun to just see uh, just a small nucleus of the body of Christ getting together, even if it was just women. We were just talking. I was just talking to someone. Just women. <laughs> Only half the equation. I'm sorry. So, uh, uh, yeah. The better half. How about that? Yeah, there you go. <laughs> All right. Well, you know, one of the things that I, I'm mentioning that because just uh, uh, there were a, a number of us guys that were serving and we were sitting in the back listening to the ladies sing. And uh, I was blessed. I was thoroughly blessed once again just to hear the Christmas carols sung. And one of the things that we are focusing in on uh, this particular season is this last song that we uh, that we just sang, uh, "Come, uh, come, behold the wondrous mystery." It's an invitation for us, uh, and, and every verse just builds on the next, and it's just an amazing. All of the Christmas carols are like that, and and uh, as we focus in on them, and and today uh, we are going to for, focus in on the fourth verse, and I just want to read it to you one more time: "Come, behold the wondrous mystery, slain by death, the God of life." But no grave could e'er restrain him. Praise the Lord, he is alive. What a foretaste of deliverance. How unwavering our hope. Christ in power resurrected. As we will be when he comes. Amen? That is just, just an incredible verse. We will finish up on uh, just focusing on a, a couple of more statements in this last verse next week. And just want to invite you to come as we wrap up uh, our, our year of 2021, uh, just focusing in on this particular song. But this song, uh, like so many other Christmas carols, tells the gospel story so well. That's what I love about the Christmas music. It just tells uh, that story so well, the gospel story. Uh, but, but you have to ask, what exactly is the gospel story? Could you actually explain the gospel story in one sentence? Ever think about that? I'm just kind of looking through just what some different authors have written, Christian authors, and uh, just answering that question, uh, what is the gospel story? Jared Wilson from Gospel Coalition uh, wrote it this way. He said that the greatest good, God, offers the greatest action, love, to the greatest need, wrath-owned sinners, by sending the greatest treasure, Jesus, in the greatest invitation to everyone into the greatest life everlasting. I just love that. Another one of my uh, favorite authors, Paul Tripp, wrote this. He said, the Christmas story is the world's best love story. It's about a God of love sending his son of love to live a life of love and die a death of love so that all who believe in him would be welcomed into his arms of love forever and ever. It's important that we can define the gospel as quickly and as succinctly as we can. It's important. And that's why I love the Christmas music. I think they do it so well. And they just remind us, they bring us back to that, that place that, that we love. As we uh, read during the lighting of our Advent candles, the, 
uh, Ephesians chapter 1, verses 1 through 14. I, I just love the Apostle Paul's reminder of the blessings that you and, have, you and I have received through the gospel work of Christ. Um, truly, Ephesians 1 and 2, really all of the book of Ephesians is really just the, it's, it's, you could call it, the, it's a wonderful life. It's a wonderful life in Christ. And that's really what Ephesians is all about. It's a wonderful life in Christ. But his blessings are truly a foretaste of our coming deliverance. And that is just so amazing and so important for us to remember. So foretaste, what does that mean, foretaste? It's a, it's a sample or a suggestion of something that lies ahead. And what does deliverance mean? It's the action of being rescued or set free. And so those are the, the words that we're going to reflect on today. Reading from the book of Romans chapter 8, verse 23, it says, And more than that, we ourselves, though we possess the Spirit as a foretaste and pledge of the glorious future, yet we ourselves inwardly sigh as we wait and long for open recognition as sons through the deliverance of our bodies. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 14. That spirit being a pledge and a foretaste of our deliverance in anticipation of its full redemption, the inheritance which he has purchased to be specifically his for the extolling of his glory. Your, your salvation, my salvation, are for his glory. Amen? Amen? So a foretaste of deliverance, as we think about this, the deliverance that we experience in this life as a result of our, our freedom from uh, sin's tyranny and enslavement, for the regeneration that we experience in our everyday life, and God's countless blessings upon uh, believers is grand and glorious. But truly, it is merely a foretaste of what awaits for us in glory. And that is so important for us to remember. That is so important important for us to, to be reminded of that even as great as it is right here, right now, what is yet to come surpasses it all. It just surpasses it all, and that is so important for us. But there's some things that I, that I just want to speak to you about today as I'm reminded of this foretaste of deliverance. It, it just, and I want to talk about the here and now, because I believe that a foretaste of deliverance confronts a big gap in the middle of our gospel theology. And let me just kind of explain that. Let me defend that statement a little bit. I believe that we have a strong understanding of the theology of gospel past. So what do I mean by that? Meaning that we trust deeply in the historical sacrifice of Jesus Christ, which paid the penalty for our sin, granting salvation to all who would believe. Amen? We believe that. We cling to that. That's theology past. That's our justification. I also believe that we have a strong understanding of the theology of uh, go the gospel future, meaning that we trust eagerly for the eternal purpose of heaven that is to come. Amen? We all look forward to going to heaven, right? We look forward to that day when we will be taken from this life into life everlasting. We have strong beliefs on both of those on both of those ends. So our justification and our glorification, I don't think any of us really have a question. I don't think any of us really struggle there. And if you do, come talk to me after the service. All right? That's an invitation. 
But for many of us, in our everyday living, I believe that there's something missing in the middle. There's something missing in the way we live. Either we don't understand or we fail to embrace the theology of the gospel of the here and now. And this morning, I just want to flesh that out for you. In other words, we don't take full advantage. I don't take full advantage of all the benefits of the work of Christ in our everyday living. And so this morning, I want to give you seven promises. Seven promises of the gospel that apply to the here and now. That apply to you and I right now, right here in our everyday living. And so here they are. The gospel promises forgiveness today. Amen? It, it promises forgiveness today. Even though we believe in the sacrifice of Christ, we don't always fully embrace his forgiveness today. Now, what, am I, what do I mean by that? What, what am I trying to say as we speak about that? Um, many of us carry around, our, carry around our sins, say, in a metaphorical backpack of regret. You ever just blown it? You ever just blown it? Just, just made wrong choices? Just, just flat out failed God? Have you been there? I have. So here it is. We... We, we, we carry around our sins in a metaphorical backpack of regret, bruising our, our spiritual shoulders and breaking the back of our faith. In other words, we're holding on to what God has already forgiven. Jesus took the weight of our sin on himself so that, that we would not have to carry it any longer. He says that he will remember our sins no more, that they are separated. Uh, our sins are separated uh, uh, from us as far as the east is from the west, as it says in Psalm chapter uh, 103. So there is great freedom in those words. It makes no sense for you and I to live imprisoned by fear or paralyzed by regret in the, in the darkness of guilt and shame when complete forgiveness has been offered to us. I'm not giving us a license to sin. The scripture speaks to that, folks. But some of us, many of us, have struggled with failure and things that we have done in the past, things that we have done maybe even yesterday, maybe things that we did even on our way to church today. And we regret them. We regret the words that we said. We would regret the thoughts that we thought. We regret the feelings that we had maybe towards someone or something. And I just want to say that we need to embrace the forgiveness of Jesus Christ in our everyday living. We need to embrace it and adhere to it and cling to it and knowing that that, that forgiveness draws us to the very throne of God so that we can find help and grace in our time of need. We need to embrace that, that promise of forgiveness. The second thing that we find in the gospel, the gospel promises deliverance today. Christ came not only to forgive our sins, but to deliver us from them, to deliver us from sin. On the cross, Christ, Jesus Christ, broke the power of sin's mastery over us, as it says in Romans chapter 6, 1 through 14. The, the mastery of sin, we are no longer slaves to sin. Okay, it's easy to say the words, but do we live that way? It's easy theologically to 
doctrinally to say we are no longer slaves to sin. And my friends, I know, I know this, okay? I confess this. Even as I was journaling this morning and thought this thought, when I'm done preaching, I'm on my own to do whatever. We struggle, folks, with this concept that we have been completely delivered from the bondage of sin. It has no mastery over us. And so, in other words, but we've got to replace that with something. Now that we are no longer slaves to sin, we must then turn ourselves back over to Christ, to God, as a slave to Him. And that's the replacement. That's replacement theology in, in the right sense of replacing what is now gone, what has been eradicated with something that is for our best and our good. So our lives should, should look progressively different uh, than when we first believed. And I, you know, I've talked to numbers of believers in my Christian life walk and just said, man, I just don't see any change. Can I just tell you this? Because there is deliverance Addiction can be broken. We can speak in a new way. We don't have to be so angry all the time. We don't have to worry or be anxious about what lies ahead. Folks, all of that has been delivered. It has all been taken away in Jesus Christ. Can I just say this? It takes effort. It takes effort to, to accept that and to believe that and to embrace it. And we will, need to be, we will need to surround ourselves with the help and encouragement that we find in the body of Christ. We weren't meant to do this by ourselves. That's why Hebrews chapter 10, verses 24 and 25, let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds. And then it says, forsaking not the gathering together, as some have made it a habit of doing so. But let us gather together even more so as we see the day approaching. Folks, we need each other. Christianity was never meant to be by ourselves alone. We've been set free from sin. And God has given us the strength to do so, but he's also given us the body of Christ. Then I just want to say this. The gospel won't settle for anything less than heart and life transformation. So folks, can I just tell you this? Jesus Christ has made this promise that he who began a good work in you will continue to do that work until the day of Christ Jesus. You will be changed. Join him in the work. Let him do his work in changing and transforming you. The third thing that the gospel promises is this. It promises power. Power today. If the gospel promises deliverance, it must also promise power to deliver. You're not on your own. Folks, we're not on our own in this life. The Apostle Paul wrote uh, the words of Christ saying, here's Christ speaking, my grace is sufficient for you for my power is made perfect in weakness. Folks, you know, probably one of the best things, and I'm still learning this every day, is just for me to remember that I don't have it all. I can't do it all, but Christ in me can. And he does. In ourselves, we have no power and we can do no good thing. But the Lord Jesus Christ 
does not abandon us there. The gospel fills us with the power of the, of the Holy Spirit so that, that we can be delivered into a new life that benefits others and glorifies God. The same power that raised Christ from the dead is the same power that lives in you and I, as it says in Ephesians 1, 19-20. And the Holy Spirit is a foretaste of what is yet to come. Folks, you've been signed, sealed, and delivered by the Holy Spirit. Amen? You are, you are His. And what is yet to come has been sealed for that day of redemption. But sometimes I think that we, we think that power is yet to come, and yet it is available to you and I every day. It is available for you and I to not just tap into it like a rabbit's foot, but to understand that Christ in you is the power. Is the power in you to do and to say and to behave and to think and to act differently every single day of our lives. That is the power that lies within us. That is the power that rests within us. Christ, uh, God is the restorer. And I, and I just want to say when we think about, actually, let me just go back. Uh, number four, the gospel promise, promises restoration today. And that's just amazing to me. Restoration. I'm telling you what, uh, you know, I, 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 I know some of you would say I don't have the right to complain about age yet. But I can tell the difference between what I was once and what I am now today. I, I, you're all giggling and laughing because you know what I'm talking about. Okay, I, I understand that that um, I look forward to the day um, as our brother Phil Grassi, if you've not heard yet, has passed from this life to life eternal. He has been struggling for the last five years with health issues. More than that, really. Folks, he has been restored, not just physically. That's the baseline. But mentally and spiritually, he has been glorified. That's restoration. That is, that is a foretaste of deliverance that we look forward to. But God promises restoration, not just in the future, but today. It's easy to look back on our lives and to see the wreckage and the uh, of lost opportunity. It's tempting to wish that we could just somehow rewind and delete previous words and, or previous actions. It's natural to question why God took so long to reveal our sinful ways to us. Do you ever think about that? God, why did you wait so long? And God says, why didn't you respond? But there is regret that we, that we feel sometimes and the wreckage of lost opportunity. And, 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 uh, uh, so the, but the gospel promises restoration and not just with a new heaven and a new earth and a new body, a new spirit, new mind, new heart. Not just that. If anyone is in Christ, listen to the words of God. They are a new creation. The new creation has come. The old is gone. The new is here right now, right here today. In, in 2 Corinthians 5.17, you have been made new. Amen? And I know we have a hard time saying amen to that because we go, yeah, but I don't know how to act that way. You see what I'm saying? The gap between 
the gospel of what we believe God has done and what God will do at the end, we need to understand that restoration is for today. His timing is always right. God's timing for you is right on course. Years have not been wasted. In his sovereign love, God has been bringing you and I to a point, to, to this point of insight and conviction at just this right moment today. Folks, God hasn't lost the memo, hasn't? God wrote the memo. Okay, his timing is, is, is spectacular. It's right on the money. So we can't think about what was. We need to think about what is in Christ. What we are today. His timing is always right. The process has been tailor-made to accomplish what he promised. And I just want to read this passage from uh, Isaiah 43. It says, um, forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a new way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. God is at work. God has always been at work. God will continue to work until the day of Christ Jesus. The gospel promises not just restoration, but reconciliation today. At the heart of the gospel narrative is a heart, it is the coming of the Prince of Peace. And in him, we know this, we sing about it, we read the passages about it, even the passage from Ephesians 1 speaks of this. Um, we find reconciliation not only with God, but here's the thing that I want you to understand, not just with God, but with one another. That is so important for us to understand as believers today. Not only are we reconciled with God, but we are reconciled with each other. Now, this is where it gets a little bit sensitive for us. Okay, because we know the relationships that have been broken. Only, he is the only one who can destroy the walls that separate people from each other. Um, just look up Ephesians chapter 2, 14 through 18, just to, to consider that. Only the gospel of Christ is able to put love in hearts where hate once reigned. Only the gospel makes thoughtless, self-absorbed people like me and you tender and compassionate. I love what the Bible says in Malachi 4.6. He will turn the hearts of fathers to their children and the hearts of children to their fathers. That's a promise from God. And folks, I know even within our own family that there are that there, there are issues with family. And I just want you to know the God of heaven and earth, the creator of all things, the one who is who is the author of rest, uh, reconciliation and restoration, desires to see families bound together once again. You know what? For some of us, it may not happen this side of heaven. But I will tell you, it will happen. If your children, moms and dads, are believers, you will be restored completely with them. Moms and dads, if your children are separated from you and they are believers, they will be reconciled to you. 
to you, but I want you to know that God's desire, whether it's within our personal families or the body of Christ, is that God reconciles people to himself and to each other. That's what makes the church spectacular. That's what makes the church miraculous. That's what makes the church, the body of Christ, different than the world that we live in. The, pro- the, the gospel promises hope where your relationships have been damaged or even destroyed. I just want you to cling to that today. That's, that's the gospel in the here and now. Not just for later, for right now, right here, right where we live. The sixth thing is the gospel promises wisdom today. And you may be thinking, you know, and I've been here in this, this point. I know that my life needs to change, but I don't even know uh, how or where to begin or, or what to do. Can I just tell you that even there that God invites us, he invites us to to, to his promises of wisdom. That's what the gospel does for us. It, 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 it promises the wisdom of the gospel. And here it is in, in James chapter 1. If anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given him. Folks, without reproach, God's not going to condemn you for asking him for help. Guys, we don't like to ask for help. Okay, my wife reminds me of that all the time. I, I, you know, it, but it's but even in our walk with God, we need to ask for help. If we lack wisdom, let Him ask God, who gives generously beyond all that you could ever think or imagine, gives it generously to all without reproach, without condemnation, without like, well, it's about time. Do you, you get that? Without reproach. And it will be given him. We have no reason to despair over our own ignorance when, when all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge are hidden in Christ Jesus, as it says in Colossians chapter 2, verse 3. Folks, it's all there. Everything that we need, all the wisdom of God is found in Christ Jesus. The invitation is very simple. It says, come, ask, and I will give. The seventh thing, the gospel promises mercy today. The writer of Hebrews reminds us that, that Jesus Christ, our high priest, was tempted in, in every, uh, at every point like we were, but without sin. So he understands. Jesus Christ understands your temptations, you guys. He really does. Some of us say, well, yeah, but he was God. No, he was tempted in every way like you and I were and are. And yet he did so. He went through life without sin. Why? Because he is the better Adam, as we sang in the song. He is the, he is the true and better Adam. He lived the way that Adam and Eve were meant to live in the garden, trusting in God, depending on God, seeking God, following God, obeying God, seeing that God that it was only through God's word that they would find direction. He is the true and better Adam. And in him are all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Come, ask, and I will give. So the promise, as I, as I come back then, the promise 
the gospel promises mercy today. He is that high priest who understands and sympathizes with our weaknesses. And so you and I are invited. We can come and find mercy and grace to help us out in our time of need. Folks, I, I'm just going to tell you, there's not a day that goes by that I don't need help. How about you? There's not a day that goes by that, um, that I don't need mercy and grace. Every single day of my life. And I know that you are much, much like me. In the hardest of situations, in the most trying of relationships, we never, ever stand alone with our personal abilities as the only source of our help. Do you hear me? You are not alone in this journey, in, the, in between, between your justification and your glorification. You are not alone. We are not alone. We don't stand in our own ability. And, and, and then it's, it's kind of like, think about this. What if you accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior whenever that happened and God patted you on the shoulder and said, hope you make it? it we can laugh at that. That's not God's promise. The promises are for us today. They are here and they are real and they are needed. And you and I need to cling to them. And when you and I forget those promises, then we need to go back to those promises and we need to remind ourselves of the promises that God has given us. I'm only giving seven. There are so many more. We are in Christ and in Him, we can do what would otherwise be thought impossible. Teresa and I were texting with a, with a lady this morning, and she talked about some of her fears, and one of them was talking in front of people. And she said, that's one of my fears. That's one of my, like, ah, I just can't do that. I mean, I think most of us, I, I know almost every one of us, if I said, come on up here and talk, you would all just faint. Okay? But here's the deal. In Christ, in Christ, in Christ, all things are possible. It's not you. It's not about you. It's not about me. It's Christ in us that makes the difference. Amen? That's, that's the encouragement for us. These and much, much more, if I had the time, uh, I, we could just go on and on and on. These are, uh, these are a foretaste of deliverance that you and I can cling to. The invitation from the song, Come behold the wondrous mystery, slain by death the God of life, but no grave could e'er restrain him. Praise the Lord, he is alive. What a foretaste of deliverance. How unwavering our hope. Christ in power resurrected as we will be when he comes. Folks, that definition of the gospel in a sentence, that the greatest good, God, offers the greatest action, love, to the greatest need, wrath-owned sinners, by sending the greatest treasure, Jesus, in the greatest invitation, to everyone, and to the greatest life everlasting. That's the gospel. 
that you and I cling to. That's the gospel that we say we believe. That's the gospel that comes with promises. We're going to listen to a song as we close, and then I'll come up and pray after it's, it's done, but it's called Night Song. And it just talks about wrestling through life in the midst of our struggles in the night. Just listen to it, and then I'll close this after. To come to our Christmas Eve service, if you uh, would like to and be a part of that, it's at 8 o'clock, and just a time of reflection around the Word of God, around the carols that have been written over the course of time that reflect the gospel story. All that say that in the in-between, in the here and now, that we have a God who didn't just save us and isn't just there to glorify us, but is with us through the night. And if you're here today and you've never given your heart and life to Jesus Christ, can I just invite you? You can come and talk to me after the service. You can invite the Lord Jesus to be your Lord and Savior right where you sit as we close the service. Just calling on his name, just saying, Lord, I've lived my life without you. I've, I've, I've been on my own. I have sought to do life my own way. I have failed. I am in sin. I am separated from your grace and mercy. I need you. Would you come and be my Lord? I give my life to you. Would you, would you be my Savior? You can pray that right where you are. Make this year, 2021, as it comes to a close, make this the year where you receive the gospel, the, the present, the gift that God extends in love to every one of us. And for those of us that are believers, may we cling in the here and now, the in-between of our gospel belief to all these promises. Lord Jesus, we come and we ask that you would build us up from the inside out. God, forgive us. Forgive us for the times that we take our eyes off of you, the author and perfecter of our faith. Lord, forgive us for the times that we allow ourselves to be tripped up and entangled but and ensnared by the things of this world. God, help us to stay on course. Help us to run the race that you have set before us, knowing, Lord Jesus, that you are our author and our perfection. God, thank you. Thank you for being with us through the night. Thank you for never failing us, never abandoning, abandoning us, never walking out on us, never stop listening to us. Father, always present, always right there. God, we thank you. God, forgive us. I know for, for, for a fact, Lord, that I have not always lived in the here and now as though you are my Lord. Lord, I don't know about anyone else here, but God, we pray that you would cleanse us from the inside out, change our hearts, make us more like your son as you have promised to do every single day of our lives. And we ask these things now in his wonderful and precious name. And all God's people said, amen. Blessings as you go from here today.